There's an economic play. There's an economic play behind police brutality. There's a huge, huge economic play. So every year, cities across the United States of America, small and large, they spend millions of dollars in police brutality claims. Because mm -hmm. it's like, this isn't common. This isn't new, right? Like, right. it happens all the time. It's they know common. it's going to happen. Right. Even if it's not to this extent where somebody gets killed, mm -hmm. somebody might get a black eye, somebody might break somebody's ribs. Like a Somebody lot. might be wrongfully accused. Yeah, it's a lot of police. But... That's an issue too, but yeah. specifically police brutality. Right, right, right. So police brutality cases, there's millions of police brutality cases all over the country every single year. Mm -hmm. Most of the time it's settled um, with some compensation being paid. Yeah. And that can go from $1,000 to $100 million, like anywhere in between, right? It depends. Yep. So now what people don't fully understand, I think, is that there's billions, billions of dollars that are paid to victims of police brutality every single we year. We hear it all the time. Yeah. yeah. There was a settlement for 40 million, this person got 25 million, nobody thinks about, they just hear the number, nobody thinks about anything else. Where's this coming from? Yeah, and the crazy, so Chicago, in 2018, $113 million was paid to um, police brutality. Yeah, misconduct. settlements and judgments. 113 million in, in just the city of Chicago in 2018. One year. That's, that's amazing. So it's like, where does this money come from? So this is this is now you start to peel back the layers. Cause if it's like it's like a movie, it's like a movie. Like you see the Instagram clips and it's like, okay, so now I feel like I'm actually a detective, right? Because yeah. it's like now you gotta peel back the layers. It, it, it's weird because at times, like when you hear these settlements, I remember when um Dude Diallo got the settlement, it was like, yo, it was forty million dollars or something of that sort, and it was like that felt like a victory. It felt like, all right, well, he's been compensated for the abuse that he, he suffered. And then when you look at, like, wait, where did that money come from? It's like, wait, is this really a victory? Should we be celebrating well, that? That's the crazy thing about it. Nobody ever thought about where the money comes from. So where does the money come from? The money comes from taxpayers, right? So taxpayers. So that's another thing about police officers. Police officers are public servants, mm -hmm. right? We pay, when I say we, taxpaying people of the United States of America pay the salaries and the retirement of the police department. All of that comes from tax dollars. Yeah. So now the taxpayers are paying for these payouts. Right. That's the first that's the first part <laughs> that people need to fully understand. Yeah, it's be, like even before the payout, right? They have no so to, you got to understand that part before you even get to the settlement, you've had to go through court, a court case, right? There there is no financial responsibility on the side of an officer during a police brutality case. So literally, the taxpayers pay for their trial. So they're paying for the lawyers, they're, they're paying for the judgments, and they're paying for the settlements. Like, there is nothing that they have to do if the act is committed uh, while they're uh, on the job. Yeah, that's a fact. So now so now the taxpayers pay for it. So it's like, all right. So now, now we got to deal back, peel back even more layers. Mm -hmm. So now, a lot of cities and towns, they have liability policies. So liability, it's like insurance, insurance pretty yep. much, right? So it's like, okay, any other insurance policy, you pay a premium. So like, let's say you have a $10 million liability policy. So your premium for that might be $250,000, mm -hmm. right? So taxpayers are paying the premium because that's where it comes from, the budget. So taxpayers paying 250000 and then the liability company is paying the $10 million. So that's like, okay, if... You, if you get into a situation and you beat up a, a, a somebody, a cop, if you're a cop and you beat up somebody, they sue. Now, they win 
So now the liability company is liable for that to pay that. Right. So they pay it, but ultimately the taxpayers still paid it in some sort because they actually paid the premium for the policy. Right. So, but that wouldn't that wouldn't be that bad because it's like it's like all right, you only paying. It's still bad. Yeah. Because it's like you 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 are committing a crime. You are actually abusing somebody, and where even if it's a dollar or ten yeah. percent of what's being paid, it's still you're, we're still paying for a taxpayer. So that, that, but it's like all right, it's it's still less. It's not like you're paying the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. But now you got to peel back even one more layer. So it's like all right, what happens is that. Most of these cities, towns, and especially as more and more police brutality cases start to be reported, they don't have enough liability because you got think about it, liability companies are a business as well. They're right. not just going trying just, to give away your money. Yeah, yeah, it's like they they cap it. So now it's like there's not a, enough liability insurance to cover a lot of this, right? <laughs> so we need more money. So now they need more money, additional money in addition to the liability. So where does that come from? So now they have to issue bonds. Mm. They have to mm. they have to have bonds, right? So it's like Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, small town in Pennsylvania. Let's talk about them. Um, 2004, they settled a wrongful death lawsuit uh, for 7.89 million. So 500 thousand came from the insurance. Right. Seven million three hundred and nine, 7.39 million came from bonds so the vast majority of it actually came from bonds right so bonds in a sense is like listen we're going to pay you back this money over a given amount of time with interest right so a lot of times it could be 30 years sometimes it could be shorter so we just got to understand that part too so literally a municipality is saying listen we don't have the money but we'll get it back to you they're going to raise that money from the good people who live in that city so it's like, listen, the people who live in these areas, and a lot of times it's over-policed areas. So when we look at the cities, it's over-policed areas. When they're over-policed, there's going to be more incidents. There's going to be more altercations with law officials. So they already know. Like, all right, well, we're going to set this budget aside. And if we don't have enough, we're going to get more from the taxpayers. Yeah. And so what happens, what's going on now is that cities across the United States of America are going into massive debt because of what they're calling it police brutality bonds. That's what they're pretty much. They're, they're yeah, police, literally, if you Google it, that's what it says. Police brutality bonds. So that's the crazy thing about the financial industry. They issue bonds for anything. There was bonds for um, mortgage-backed security for your home. Yeah. There's bonds for any anything. If you really get creative, you can issue a bond. So now they actually have police brutality bonds, right? So between 2008 and 2017, we did some research. L.A., mm-hmm. $74 million um, and was paid in police brutality bonds. Yep. Um, the insurance, the, the interest on that was $18 million yep. to, the, to the, um, the holders of the bond. And taxpayers, it cost them $89 million. Right. So let me just I just want people to understand that. So all right. LA didn't have enough to pay police brutality cases. Right. So those are the judgments and settlements. Right. So over and above what they already have in their budget or over and above the liability and insurance. That, that's the scary part too. Like we already are saying, listen, we have a budget for it. Let's keep going. Yeah. So now they have to go to the financial markets and and issue bonds worth $71 million, right? So they they take out bonds for $71 million to pay this. Because if you know what a bond is, it's like it's somebody's loaning you money. Mm -hmm. For for them loaning you money, you're paying it back over a course of time, but it's with interest. So now 
the people that loaned them the money, people that loaned them $71 million, they got paid an interest of $18 million. We're so gonna, they, We're going to talk about who they are, too, in a sec. <laughs> they, so they made money. They made 18 the, the people that issued the bonds made $18 million on the bonds. Mm-hmm. The taxpayers ended up paying for the whole thing because you have to pay for the bond right. and and the um, interest. Right. So the taxpayers ended up paying eighty nine million. Right. So you got the settle the, the the bond money, which is the seventy one. If we're talking about L A. and then you talk about the interest paid, so you combine those two, and that's what the bill is for the taxpayer. Yep, Milwaukee during that same time twenty six million in bonds, uh, three point seven million dollars in interest. The taxpayers paid. 29 million Chicago, Chicago. Chicago I don't know what's going on in Chicago <laughs> well Chicago had a lot of a lot of high profile cases um, one that comes to mind and we're going to talk about a, a duration of time so from like 2010 to 2018 we're talking almost a billion dollars paid they had the Laquan McDonald case where the uh, young black kid was shot 16 times um, and I th- believe the officer's name was Van Dyke or something like that got sentenced to six years there was a settlement in that case. So you got a couple of cases in Chicago that happened from 2010 to 2017. They had 709 million in bonds. 709 million. The interest paid on those on those bonds was one billion dollars. With a B. So the taxpayers get the bill for 1.7. There's a crazy part. There was this quote. I was like, "Yo, that is it." They, uh, I was reading. It was like it, they, they said this is like the equivalent of paying your rent with a credit card, like. It's a temporary solution, but the root of the problem is you don't have enough money to pay your bills. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Think about that. Yeah, no, that's crazy. I mean, because if you look at it, like Milwaukee paid $3 million, $3 million interest on a $26 million bond. L.A. paid $18 million on a $71 million bond. They're, they're small. The interest is smaller mm-hmm. than the amount of money that they borrow. Chicago actually paid more interest than what they... So not only are they issuing bonds, they're issuing high, high interest, interest, like yep. credit card, like 35% or something like that. It must be crazy that they yeah. paid $1 billion of interest and they, they only borrowed $709 million. Yeah. And the taxpayers paid for all of that. Taxpayers paid for $1.7 billion. So... <laughs> This is something that's so crazy because it's like you're paying for police brutality. Right. You, you are. Yeah. And this is something, like I said, whether you are black, white, whether you are affluent, whatever, this is something that everybody should be concerned about because from an economic standpoint, why do you want to pay for road cops? Why do you want to pay for that? You're, you're paying for misconduct. You're not only paying for it, but you're paying for the interest as well. Yeah. So, all right. So now that's that's the third layer. But- Here's where it gets really spicy. It's like, all right. So we talking about they. bonds and they. <laughs> they. So who's they, right? Let's get to they. So it turns out that large banks, investment firms, um, Wall Street investment firms, <laughs> small regional banks all play a part in issuing these bonds. Some well-known companies that have played a part, Wells Fargo, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America. Bank of Montreal. Um, so they issue police brutality bonds mm-hmm. to towns, cities, municipalities. Um, the cities pay them over the course of time mm-hmm. to loan them money so they can pay victims. And they actually are making money. So these companies are making money off of police brutality. Right. Because they're getting paid interest on the bonds. And there's a lot of fees that go into doing these bonds, right? So like we said, there's an underwriter fees that the banks are going to collect the money on that every time they issue them. So they're gonna every time that there's a case that is a settlement, there's underwriting fees. The bank gets paid. So not only do you have the first layer that pe- that's making money is insurance companies mm-hmm. for the liability claims because insurance companies always make money. 
there's no way around it. Like that's how insurance companies operate, right? So now you're paying insurance premiums. So insur- there's insurance policies in place for police brutality. They make money. Mm-hmm. But even bigger than that, now you have financial institutions that are making money off police brutality bonds, off the interest. Right. So, okay. Now we have to look at, now it makes more sense why nothing has changed in the last 50 years. If, if anything, it's gotten worse, right? Because there's no incentive for it to stop. Not only do the police do not pay themselves. They have no financial responsibility for it at all. So that's Zero. one thing. Like That's crazy. Um, the insurance company is actually making money on it. And now banks and financial institutions are making money on it. So if there's if there's if nobody's losing money as far as the cops and people are making millions and billions of dollars, why would there ever be a real incentive to stop to change police brutality? And in all that, right, if this was chess, right, if we said that those are all the players, we got to figure out where are we at on that chessboard? Just pawns getting moved around that's the reality it of is. it and most people don't realize it so it's like all right okay okay so and there's different ways how cities use it like some cities use bonds as like part of their budget some cities use it as an emergency option some yeah. cities use it after the liability insurance cuts in but they're still getting used right yeah. so it's like whole economic strategy this is what we talk about po- politics and this is something that people need to be aware of so it's like we're not just going to give you the problem hopefully People, somebody's listening. A b- bunch of people are listening. Yeah, and, our community's listening. So, and you never know what somebody can do with the information, right? So now it's like how I see it. We talking about we in a political season, right? And you asking these politicians, you demanding these politicians for for these things, right? But you a lot of times you asking them and you demanding them for wrong things. You asking them to put body cameras on on these people. It doesn't matter. But that's so that's crazy. I'm glad you said body cameras because in my notes I was thinking like body cameras. That comes out of the budget too, right? So like when you say you want these things, they have to get the money to pay for it. So there needs to be a budget that needs to come. So you're paying for those body cameras if you want them. You know what I'm saying? So like we got to think in sense like all right. Everything that you're asking for, you're gonna pay for. You're gonna pay for. So the real, in my opinion, if you want to take a political route, I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to politics. If you want to take a political route, right? Real legislation that can really make a difference is first hitting police officers where it hurts. So cutting, getting cuts from the pension funds, right? The 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 police unions across America is probably the strongest, if not one of the strongest unions in every city of America. They 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 hardly can ever lose it. They can go to jail and still keep their pension. Um, they they hardly ever get fired. Even if they do an egregious act, they like get put on like punishment or death duty yeah. a lot. But of even times. when they get fired, so that that there's a fine line there, right? And that's where the law comes in. It's like they can get fired for the offense, but the offense happened while they were on duty. You see what I'm saying? So like you're still paying for it because it happened while they were part of the force. They could have been fired after it. But they still were doing that crime while they were on it. So technically, your taxpayer is going to pay for it. Yeah. So actionable items, my opinion. I'm sure you have some I ideas. Some. Cutting pension funds, right? Every for every um, for every hundred million that uh, has to be paid out, ten percent of the of the pension fund gets depleted. Yeah. That's that's an incentive for cops. Not to be because you gotta realize this a lot of times. This is the reality of it. 
racism is real, right? So you're not gonna be able real to change. You're not gonna be able to change somebody's mind. If somebody looks at you as less than a human being. Somebody looks at you. You can't change that by doing training, and none of that's gonna work. But what people respect more than anything else is money. Mm-hmm. So if they realize that, look, this this is gonna affect my money. You're gonna think twice about doing something. So. Let's say it's 100, for every $100 million, 10% of the total pension for everybody, because it got to be across the board. Everybody's got to feel the pain, gets deducted. Now the good cops is going to be even more vigilant, mm-hmm. and the bad cops is even going to think about it because it's like, I'm not just going to do nothing yeah. crazy because now I'm going to get affected pay. Yeah, I think the second way we can, we can go about this is having them have individual responsibility. Rather than having the taxpayer pay for it, let it come out of, like you said, let's affect the money. Let it come out of their own individual pension plans. Let it come out of their own individual salaries if there is misconduct, right? If you saw that happening, you would be less likely to commit any type of egregious offense if you know it was going to cost you, right? Because you got to feed your family too. It's just like the NFL or any other thing. You get fined. Exactly. Right? You get fined. You do something in the NFL, you do an illegal hit, you get a $50,000 paycheck. Um, cut in your paycheck. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you said, cops. If you get found guilty, if you because if you have to pay, they're settling it, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if for every settlement that you have to pay for, we're gonna take twenty thousand dollars out of your salary. We're gonna cut your salary by twenty five percent for the year. Yeah. Or, so you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So now it's like no overtime pay, so, all types of things. So now it's like okay, you you have a financial incentive put in place not to do these things, right? Another thing that they can do is that they can deduct it from the overall police budget right which will lower lower the police budget which that that hurts them right um another thing that they can do that i just thought about is i don't understand why cops don't have eno insurance like there's millions of cops all across the country from every percent from doctors financial advisors doctors pay so much money in malpractice insurance so much money like a doctor might pay thirty thousand dollars a year in malpractice insurance he might not ever do anything wrong but that's the cost of being a doctor because when a doctor does do something wrong it's all pulled together just like a financial advisor has e and o insurance which stands for errors and omission insurance so the financial advisor might not do anything wrong his whole entire career but if something happens and you know a, a, a complaint is filed, then they have E and O insurance, which every financial advisor has to carry E and O insurance, right? Mm-hmm. So now, like any other type of insurance, you got millions of people putting it towards the pot. It comes out of that. So why can't cops have E and O insurance? Yeah. Two hundred dollars out of every single cop's paycheck has to go to E and O malpractice, whatever you want to call it, insurance. So now you've taken two hundred dollars a paycheck out of millions of cops' paychecks. That alone could probably pay for at least at half least. of these police brutality cases. Probably more than that. It's going to come out of y'all. Like, right. You, it, it, uh, just because what you said is, is so important, that it'll be more than that, right? Because we're not talking about every city in America. We're talking about over overpopulated cities with uh, police presence, right? So if there's a large police presence in that city, then these things are more likely to happen. And where those things happen? In the cities that they're predominantly people that look like myself and Shadi. Straight up. Yeah, and when you're talking about voting, once again, when you're talking about voting... That's important. You have to... It's not good enough just to vote. It's not good enough just to... You have to en- enact real policy change. Like, these yeah. are real policy before, changes. Before they can even vote, right? Like, I know everybody, this is a year that the census uh, has come out. 
you have to fill that out, y'all. Like, you got to fill that out. Fill out the census. Let them know who you are. So then you can actually vote and actually get elected officials in the positions who have your best interest in mind, man. People, I've seen people with this. It's like, ah, I got my census. Whatever. What is that? I don't even know what to do with that. Uh, another thing is that it, it, could, it could be legislation put in place where no financial institution oh. can benefit. And if they are going to issue bonds, it has to be 0% interest. That way, it's really no incentive to for make, them to issue. You're not issue. making money. You're not, you're not going to issue a bond if it's 0% interest. So it's going to be extremely harder because now it's just easy. Like, all right, we get in, we get in trouble. We go to Wells Fargo. They're going to cut us a check. We're going to pay it back. It's not coming from us. Yeah. It's coming from taxpayers anyway. So who cares? Wells Fargo doesn't care because they're making money. The police department doesn't care because it's coming from the taxpayers. The only one that's that's brunting this bill is taxpayers. So not only are taxpayers paying the salary of cops, they're paying for the mistakes of cops as well. Yeah. On a, on a daily basis. And like that's the part that people really got to understand. Like If you're paying taxes, yeah, it's cool. Like All right, we're, we're paying for schools. But yeah, you're also paying for misconduct. Straight up. That's a fact, man. So, you know, um, it's 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 a, it's a crazy system. We can go on and on about this, but like I said, and it's like for those that are saying like, "Ah, right, we can't vote." I'm not saying I'm not. We shouldn't vote. I'm not telling anybody what to do politically. We're not. We're not a political show. I'm just saying, as far as instead of just giving you problems. These are some real life yeah. solutions that you can. Now, how you go about it is up to you. Like I said, we we provide the information. Applications and, and, on you. You know, if, if you're a young leader, or if you're an old leader, and if you 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 spark something, whether it's through community mobilization, whether it's through boycotts of these of these institutions that that issue these bonds, whether it's through political action, that can be debated for a different day, a different show. But you know, the first thing is to be aware. Of what's going on So yeah. We went over that Like all last week We just kept saying that Over and over Everybody's like Knowledge is power The more you know The more you know uh, Yo The real issue is that Knowledge is power When it's applied So now that you have the knowledge We've provided some knowledge for you Hopefully we peel back Some layers that you were unaware of Now it's up to you Now what What do you do with this What do you do with it You got Where do you apply it That's a fact So in the next segment We're gonna go We're gonna switch topics But stay in the same lane And we're gonna talk about investing mm. We're gonna talk about making money but from a different twist so yeah yeah let's get into it all right so now we're gonna go into investing that's what that's what we you know people always tune into uh shots market mondays number one stock show a whole on YouTube. vibe a whole vibe shout out to wall street trapper bro shout out to everybody that we had on the show to talk about investing shout out to quentin martin the first um stock market show that we've ever done mm -hmm. uh that was over a year ago so we talk about investing a lot, right? But it's just like now we in a, we in a time of, of being socially conscious. We in a time of actually, you know, and it doesn't. Everybody's not socially conscious, but I'm just saying, as far as a lot of people are starting to become socially conscious. So yeah. a lot of people grapple because we do. We did a show last week. Shout out to my song about you know the prison system. Yep. And it's like I, right, you know, what I mean, like I don't feel comfortable investing in in companies that's investing in prison, or it's like now. It's Police brutality. Yeah. And you find out there's a whole financial play behind that. I think I think the episode opened the doors because like a lot of people didn't even realize that. And shout out to my son because I see him on the field, uh, and, and he was in Kentucky uh, with the Breonna Taylor case, um, and now he's in uh, Minnesota with with the jo uh, George Floyd case too. So shout out to my son who's doing incredible work. Shout out to my son for sure. So, all right, one thing that we have not talked about so far on the podcast is socially responsible investing. SRI. Yes, socially responsible investing. So this is an interesting conversation because it's actually a really big thing. Um, yeah. And it's been around for a very long period of time. But so there are investors, right, that 
have social hangups about different things, whether it be about the environment, mm -hmm. whether it be about tobacco, mm -hmm. whether it be about gambling, whether it be about war, um, war is war, another one, weapons of mass destruction, yep. prison, mm -hmm. um, companies that um, benefit off of prison, health, healthcare, anybody investing in tobacco, um, alcohol, women, um, a bunch of different things yeah. that people so it's like a lot of times it's like you know mm -hmm. some people and I, I'm not taking a side either way some people's like you know I'm gonna invest and just get my bread get my money and it is what it is and then some people was like you know I, I kind of want to still invest make money I believe in that yeah but I still have some moral issues your moral compass is going that on that I don't necessarily want to invest in certain companies so that's fair yeah no I'm, that's like fair. I I didn't, I, I'm not saying it's not yeah so um so f for that, they're actually funds. There's actually funds. Now, like I said, the financial. When you start to learn about more about everything, it's something. It's like ice cream. There's a different flavor for every single person. Yeah. So there's actually funds, ETFs, and mutual funds in place to um, for uh, socially conscious investors. Yeah, I had to peel back the layers on this because I was like, "What?" You texted to me. I'm like, "I never heard of it." All right, let's do some research. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a few, like I said, so those are the different topics like environment, gambling, tobacco, alcohol, prison, social justice, um, and religion. That's a whole different conversation. We're going to talk about that. But so just to kind of give you a few, there's, um, ESGU, mm -hmm. ESGU is an ETF, a socially conscious ETF, um, that does not, uh, invest in any company that has anything to do with weapons, tobacco, um, jails, even though they actually did have a private prison in their <laughs> ETF and then they found out and it was a mistake and they kicked it off. So it's like even that. It's like, you know, you find out, you, you try to get the kosher hot dog. Yeah, the morality police. Like, it was made in a, in a pig slaughtering house. It's like, it's so crazy. But um, so, yeah, but yeah, that's an ETF. And that ETF has actually done pretty well. Um, you know, considering because a lot of the, a lot of times it's, it's the performance of these things aren't as high as other ones, mm -hmm. but um, that one has done pretty well. Um, it's fifty-two week high is uh seventy-five dollars, and its fifty-two week low was forty dollars a month ago. So in March it was forty dollars. Right now it's sixty-eight. So it's up. It's it's up pretty nicely in, mm -hmm. in um in a two in a two month time frame. Another one is SSGA, which is a woman diversity ETF. They like investing companies that. A higher majority women or have women CEOs. It's like it's focused around women. Yeah. Um, here's another one called CRBN, which is a low carbon uh, environmental friendly uh, ETF. Right. So there's there's a variety. Like you can just Google socially conscious funds yeah. and like kind of just play around with it in different filters, and you can see like you know what kind of fund you're looking for. Yeah. You know with the situation. It's interesting, right? It's interesting because I'm thinking to myself like how many investors right are not willing to compromise their values to make money. And when you, when I think of investors, I'm like, you know what? I think the more the moral thing is like they just want to make money. Yeah, they don't put everything else. Well, to I the think side. I think you know people and myself included. You know, I'm not preaching from the choir. Yeah, we we can conveniently get blind, right? Conveniently get blind because it's like you know what I'm saying. Like you might see something, and it's like ah, it's not that bad. Yeah, it's like like if if you were anti-war, right? And it was like, hey, Boeing's at ninety-seven dollars. Right, but I don't want to invest in any company that has deals with any making machines or any type of thing that could help in the, the development of, of, of weapons of mass destruction or helping war. There goes that morale. It's like, wait, well, this is a good buy, right? This this is a good buy at ninety seven dollars. 
is it worth it? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think most people are thinking, let's just make money. Or they just don't really think about it. Not really thinking about it from that standpoint. It's like, yeah, you know Boeing has government contracts. Are you thinking that maybe that government plane is sending a drone and killing an innocent child in Syria? You're not really looking too far into it. You could. It's available. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot it's a lot easier to turn the blind to eye. just turn the blind. Yeah, turn the blind. This eye. is what happens in a variety of different things. Yeah, you don't you don't want to see certain things. Like you you you're walking down the alley, you see what's going on, and you you, you turn your you turn around, and you walk the other way. A lot of times, most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. I mean, for your own safety, a lot of times. And, and like I said, I'm not here to shame. We're not here to shame anybody. Nah. Um, but but I'm just saying I'm just we just want to provide some information for some people right. that may want to take a higher level of um, morality right in that in that standpoint and may want to take a higher level of weeding out their investments just give them just give them options that's the thing we're gonna leave we just here to just yeah. provide information like a lot of times people don't fully understand that and they don't they don't they don't even know. That, that that's exists an exactly. So it, it's like there are a lot of people in this, I guess, the quote unquote woke stage, right? So it's like, yo, if you're woke, let it be in all assets of your life, right? Not just in your individual things that you're doing on day to day, but even in your investing. And this is one of those things, like like you said, prior to this, I wasn't thinking about it. I had no idea. Yeah, you know I mean, it's so. But then that brings us to another conversation. We talked to shots again. Shout out to my son. Last week's episode was about the prison system. We didn't fully go into the finances of, of publicly traded companies, mm. but so there's prison stocks, like private prison um, companies that are traded on the stock exchange. Mm-hmm. So a few of them are Core Civic, which is CXW, and Geo Group, which is GEO. That's yeah. their that's their symbol. The crazy thing about Core Civic, and this is crazy that you said that. We didn't even speak about this. But uh Daryl Freeman, shout out to Daryl Freeman. If you don't know Daryl Freeman, go Google him. I don't tell you his his background, but uh, a very, a very successful man in the world of uh technology. Uh he called me. He said, Yo, I love that episode. Uh the actual the CEO of Core Civic is my next door neighbor. Oh yeah? <laughs> he was like, Yo, it's a big business and I'm glad y'all talked about it. He loved it. my song's episode? Yep, loved it. Sent me the message and, and that, I was like, Wow, that's incredible. He was like, Yo, it's a big business, it's a city. Literally you gotta think of these prisons, these private prisons as cities. They need everything that a city needs. And when you look at it like that, it's like, damn, he's right. Yeah. And his next door neighbor is the guy who is in charge of that. Well, there you have it. So, yeah, those are two private prison companies. Now, the crazy thing about the, those stocks, so it's been even on that episode, we, my son had said that um, private prison stocks skyrocketed after Trump got elected. That is true. Both of those companies, I think, went up over 100% in the year following Trump's election. But they've actually been down for the last, like, three years, four years. Like, their, their five-year chart is not really impressive, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. I mean, right. you know, but... um. Just want to throw that out there. We have to tell both sides of the story. So as an investment, they, they haven't really, they're not booming. They're not booming right now. Which is good, which is good, which means that there's less people going to prison. Well, I don't know if there's less people going to prison, but for whatever reason, their stock is just not doing well. There could be a variety of different reasons why their stock isn't doing mm-hmm. well, but the stock has not really performed. Uh, but what a lot of people don't fully understand is that a lot of people are invested in, especially Core Civic, up until last year at the very least, a lot of people are invested in Core Civic without even knowing it. Because through your 401k, mm-hmm. through your IRA, through your pension plan. So Vanguard and BlackRock were the two biggest holders 
I think they still are, of private prisons, um, stocks. BlackRock, Vanguard, two of the biggest mutual fund companies. Yes. Everybody loves Vanguard because they have no. This is what I'm saying. It's a lot of you talk about. It's a lot of right and wrong in, <laughs> yeah. in life, right? People love Vanguard because it's like it's a no load fund and it's pretty much free to invest and it's it's cheap. And they're the biggest holder of prison stocks, by the way. Mm-hmm. They also have a lot of 401k accounts. BlackRock has a lot of 401k accounts, right? So, Core Civic, CXW was in a lot of these probably still are in a lot of these 401k makeups. Because when you invest in a 401k, nobody knows what they're investing in a 401k. You have probably three, like 401k is like a menu and they give you like 20 different options of how to invest, right? Like 20 different funds. Mm-hmm. Now within one fund, there's like 100 different stocks inside of a fund. So if you have like three different funds, you have like 300 different stocks inside of your 401k that you're invested in. Yeah, you could do a research on all of them. Now, I guarantee you nobody <laughs> knows any of those companies. Nobody knows any of those companies, right? Because you never ask. It's not like just listed as soon as when you find, they just tell you the name of the company. So it'll be like Vanguard 2020 fund or Vanguard high interest bond fund or Vanguard um, small cap value fund, right? Yeah. That's the name of the fund. But inside of the small cap value fund is about 140 different Stocks. Yeah, that's when you get that big pamphlet that comes to your house, like that probably nobody ever goes through. Yeah, and there's a bunch of these stocks, and you're like, all right, well, did I make money or not? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nobody's individually looking into 140 different stocks and then actually researching those stocks to see if they align with their values and moralities. It's just not happening. No, it's not. But you can't say that you didn't know yeah. now, at least because. We told you. Yeah. So, you know, if if you're interested in it, you can do some further research. But yeah. so I just the, wanted to talk about the prison thing because we did speak about that last week. Yeah, and there's some other things to know about um, these uh, SRIs. They tend to have a higher fee than, than regular funds. And so I was like, well, it doesn't even make sense. Why? Well, the mutual fund has to... The, the, the person who's providing the fund actually has to do more research. So there's more work that the person has to do, right? If they're going to do things that match your core values and your moralities, it's like they have to find ethnical things that will work for you. So there's a little bit more research. So the fees tend to be a little bit higher. And um, there's, a, there's a site that you can go if you're into social responsible investing. Socialfunds.com is the website. So you can go research on yourself. So that, that's one thing that you should do. Obviously, do the research and then know your values. A lot of people don't know their own values. So like when they're trying to invest, it's like, well, I believe in this. Know your own values before you're going to go into this type of fund. All right. So do the research. Um, I just gave you the website. And another thing is a lot of times, and we've said this What's in the name of the website again? Socialfunds.com. So you can go there on your own leisure and, and, and do some research there. But one of the things that it, it brought to my mind is like we talk about diversifying when we're investing, right? But like this type of fund doesn't, it kind of doesn't allow you to do that, right? Because if you're aligning everything with your values, isn't everything kind of going to be the same if you're investing? No, no. You can invest in a variety of different companies that don't, that still align with your values. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? It could be different industries. Like, it could, it's just it's just harder, like you said, because it's like you really got to go through every single fine comb because it's like, all right, you're, you're investing in a tech company, but is this tech company providing software for weapons of mass destruction? Right. So now it's just so much more intensive research that you have to do 
which is the fund manager's job, but you can still invest in a variety. Like you can invest in tech, you can invest in, um, you know, farming, you can invest in financial institutions. Like you can invest in different companies. It's just that those different companies have to be in line with what you feel comfortable yeah, with. I would imagine that the, the these funds are managed by very, very small companies. This is, it feels like a niche thing that like very small companies do. No, actually, Vanguard has. Well, uh, right, right, right. You're right. You're right. Vanguard. Okay. That's a big one. So, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but so, g- going to what you just said as far as the, the niche. So, there's different layers of socially responsive funds. Well, like I said, Earn Your Leisure, we just had to provide as much information as we possibly can to every. Because there's so many different types of people in this world. So, you got the socially conscious people mm-hmm. that don't want to invest in those things. But um, religion is a huge thing in this world. And now you have religious people who can't or do not want to invest in certain things because of their religion. So now you have funds for that. It's fun for everything. So you have Christian funds um, like Guidestone is a Christian fund. And that's dedicated to invest in companies that have core Christian values. Kind of a vague situation. But, you know, that's what that's designed for. You can do do some research and kind of figure (laughs) out. Do you have Av Av Maria, um, which is a Catholic fund? There's a few Catholic funds. So Av Maria is um, Rising Dividend Fund. That's a that's a one of their their popular funds, and that's a Catholic fund. So you know Catholics they're um, really big on like you no know, abortion and uh, a couple other things. That's like real sticklers for the Catholic Church. So they only invest in companies that align with Catholic values. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so just coming off the month of Ramadan, we have a large listenership all over the world, and that includes America, which is their huge Muslim population. There's a huge Muslim population in Africa, huge Muslim population in Europe, of course, the Middle East. So we have to say assalamu alaikum to all of the Muslims that yes, that, yes, uh, yes. that tune in. And uh, one thing about Islam is that it that's actually you know part of of the religion is um sharia law sharia law so people have a misunderstanding a lot of times of what sharia law is we don't we're not gonna go into a full but part of it is investing like there's actually guidelines so it's not really up for like vague interpretation like if you really are a hardliner in the religion there's financial guidelines of how you can invest so like interest is outlawed in Muslim countries. Okay. So shout out to Inez, our good friend. She's yeah, from yeah. Egypt. And I was over her house yesterday and she was telling me that there's no there's no mortgages in Egypt. No mortgages in Egypt. You just buy the land. So um interest interest is is outlawed. You're not allowed to charge anybody interest. That's one thing, right? Okay. Of course, if you're familiar with the religion, you know that, you know, alcohol is outlawed. Um a variety of different factors, gambling. Okay. There's no gambling. Gambling is outlawed. So, with, in Islam, you have halal and haram. Ha- haram is forbidden. Halal is allowable. That's like deemed okay. So now you have. I got that. I actually looked that up. That was crazy. Oh, yeah? On the Jay Electronica album. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So now you have you have halal funds. Uh, one of the most popular funds is called the Amana Fund. So the Amana Fund is a mutual fund based around Sharia law, which is halal and allows Muslims that if you want to, if you want to follow those guidelines, um, that you can actually invest And the Hamana fund only invest in halal companies, meaning 
companies that don't partake in gambling, companies that don't partake in interest um, interest bearing accounts, companies that don't partake in alcohol, a variety of other things as well. So that's something that is a big play as well, because like I said, I mean, no matter what religion you follow, if you're Jewish, they have kosher funds as well. Right. But it's the same thing. Kosher and halal kind of the same thing as far as like the meaning of it, where like Jewish people have like if you're a strict hardline Jew, you only really supposed to indulge in kosher. But kosher is more than just food. Right. I think that's that's a crazy misconception that people only think it's a food thing. It's the same thing with halal. Like yeah. you see the halal guys or the halal truck. So <laughs> yeah. most people when they when they think about halal, especially like if you live in New York City or like a major like you, you you're pretty pop it's pretty popular halal food. And that is a certain way where the food, the animals like are, you know, slaughtered and you say a prayer and there's certain things. It's the same thing with kosher, but that's only part of it. So like with the kosher, that's only part of it. Like, you know, as far as like the invest same kind of idea. Um, and like I said, that's that's true with a variety of different religions. Whereas like, you know, depending on what religion you subscribe to, that might um, you know, have a play in how you choose to invest. Yeah. So those are all things to think about as well. I know and they're listening like, yo, damn, Shadi sound like a, a history professor. This dude literally studies religion, like no joke. And anybody that knows, has ever had a conversation with him, they know like he loves talking about religion. Um, shout out to Val, who always brings it up. Shout out to Val. She always talks about how you've taught us so much about the world. But yeah, yeah I know this is one of your sweet points. You know, man. history has been my favorite subject since I was a little kid. Definitely. I took a history of religion class when I was in college and I never studied, never got one broken, got an A plus. Because I just already knew so much about religion and all all religions. I'm just fascinated by, you know, I think it's interesting to learn about Christianity, Islam, Judaism, yeah. um, Buddhism, um, Sikh. I have friends that are all different religions. And, um, you know, for me personally, I don't think that there's any one religion that is reign supreme. It's whatever, you know, you feel comfortable with. I'm not here to judge, but uh, I just, you know, I always found religion interesting because i realized how how touchy it is and mm -hmm. it's like people die over their religion people will kill you over their religion and it's like you can't play around that's why we don't really talk about religion too much yeah, some people don't want to be separated from you can't play around with religion so yeah. it's like it's interesting it's, it's interesting to me it's fascinating so i try to learn as much about religion as i possibly can because i feel like a lot of times most of the time we just we follow whatever religion we're born into right and that's not really a belief system that's more superstition when you when you believe in something that you don't fully understand it's superstition you've been you've been bred to believe that stevie wonder said that um so now when you have a full understanding of things not only does it open your perspective and make you more open to the world but at least even if the thing that you do fully believe in you can actually believe in it right as opposed to just doing it because everybody in your family yeah. does it and you, you feel like you're going to be cursed right. if you if you, you don't do it you, you've been you've done the research on your own you've allowed yourself to critically think you've allowed yourself to analyze and like that's the goal in life right allow yourself and allow others to freely think and freely choose you know what i'm saying like i, I think that is as an educator like that's the number one thing i'm looking for can i allow these students to critically think for themselves and we should have that same mindset when it comes to our family and our children that's a fact so the last thing with the stocks and this is pretty disturbing um and it's all a financial place so now people might want to invest in black owned companies like yeah buy black who are they invest in black but from an investment standpoint it's like 
What if I want to invest money in the stock market, but I, I want to invest in black-owned companies? A lot or, of people want to do that, right? right? Buy, we, we, we buy black. Shout out to them. Yeah, shout out to We Buy Black. Those are my people. Good good people. Yeah. Um. So, all right. It's like a black-owned fund. I couldn't find any. I could, uh, like a black ETF or a black mutual fund that only has black companies. I couldn't find any. No. Yeah, no, and maybe there are some. I, I couldn't find any either, but maybe there are some. Well, I think the reason why there are none that I could find is that out of 4,000 stocks on a, on the New York Stock Exchange, 12 oh, yeah. are black companies. 12. That is so disturbing that that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> You're talking about economic, and that's what, that's what people don't fully understand. It's like black people are so far behind. It's just, it's almost, it's amazing. It's like it's like running a marathon and you like 23 miles in and you just started the race. And somebody else is 23 miles in. So it's like. Yeah. We're on a treadmill. That's not even. There's, there's a marathon going on. We're on a treadmill. That's not even 1%. Yeah. That's less than 1%. Of, 12. 12 out of 4,000 companies are publicly traded. Yeah. So you talk, we're talking about economic empowerment, and it's like a lot of times it's on a, broader, on a small scale. When you start looking at it from a large scale, as far as like companies and billions of dollars and things of that nature and like publicly traded companies, there's 12 out of 4,000. Yeah. Like diversity. Yeah. I mean... It's crazy. And during the research, I, I actually, you know, I was proud to find out that I'm actually invested in one. Because, well, not invested, but I do business with one at least. And I was, lo I'm looking at the other ones. I'm like, I don't even know these. I don't even know these. So you want to run down a few? Yeah, I got four that I people might know. Um, Citizens. Yeah. Bank, that, with their their their, their um, symbol is C Z B S. Yeah, that's who I actually have my mortgage through. So, um, not that I'm invested in it, but we do business together. Yeah, they, Citizens is a black-owned bank. Yeah. Four one, like the number four one, um, and that is formerly used to be Urban One, which is a radio. No, it's Urban One. Four one is Urban One, and it used to be Radio One. Okay, it's a radio syndicate. No, no. Um, RLJ, which is a lodging lodging company owned by Robert Johnson, former owner of BT, former owner of the Bobcats. Yep. Um. He, first billionaire, first, right? first black billionaire. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and then Carver Bank, another black-owned oh, bank. There's yeah. a few black-owned banks. Yeah. Carver Bank, which um, is encouraging yeah. that they have. We have black-owned yeah. banks that are uh, being publicly traded. That's important. Yeah. Um, you you want to list a few others? Well, I, those are, we have the oh, same ones. Right. Yeah. So, but so yeah. So, but the the so not only is it discouraging as there's only twelve. Even more so discouraging than that, it's like you look at these charts, look at all of their charts, none of them have good charts. None of them. None of them, you look at Ian's technical analysis would be buys as far as if you want to make money. Mm -hmm. They've all, then they haven't, they don't, they're not doing well. As far as on the stock, their stock has not done well for five years, like you look at the five year chart and it's not good. Yeah. And it's going to be tough to find their, a lot of these companies have a 10 year chart or a 20, even sometimes it goes back to the history, 30 year chart. A lot of these companies, that doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. Yeah, I don't even know what to say about that. It's just, um, that's something just to like, as far as working forward to yeah. something. But that's, I mean, a lot of that has to do with a lot of systematic things that were put in place so that it couldn't exist. We don't want to ignore that fact, right? So having our own private owned company or even having a black owned bank, 
systematically in America for years, that wasn't even a possibility. So there are reasons why we don't have a long history of it. Uh, so let's not ignore that fact. But like I said, when we go back to the history of some of these companies that we look at, we do look at the 10-year chart. We do look at 20-year or the history of the company's chart. And that's just not available right now for, for these companies. Yeah. So, you know, that's some information if you're interested in socially responsive funds, religious funds, black-owned companies. Um, you know, just a different different take on investing because we talk about investing a lot. So yeah. we just want to just give people a different a different take on it. Um, and you can kind of do whatever you want with the information. But, you know, hopefully that, that, that shines some light, good and bad, good and bad, because everything's not going to be a good story. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's just the news is just that we have to just report what it is. And it's not always encouraging. It's not always encouraging. But sometimes you need stuff that's not encouraging to encourage.